Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of Sasquatch Experience do not necessarily reflect the opinion of the hosts, sponsors, or affiliates of the Sasquatch Experience. As always, listener discretion is advised. 911, what are you reporting? Uh, we got someone or something crawling around out here. Does a legend walk among us, lurking in the forests of our world? Did you see what it was? Was it a person or an animal? or? I can't tell. All I know is that my sensor light came on and I just happened to glimpse and see this thing running across the yard. A good-sized man or something that looks like a man. I don't know what it was. For over 15 years, we've talked with scientists, researchers, investigators, and witnesses trying to gain insight and proof around the existence of this mysterious entity. Jesus Christ, you better... Sheriff? Hello? Get somebody out here. What's going on now, sir? That son of a bitch is about six foot nine, I don't know. Do you see him now, sir? Yes, I'm looking right at him. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, hang on. He's right... Is he in your yard, sir? Yeah, God, he's big. Okay, what's he doing in your yard? He's looking at me. Join us as we continue into the investigation of the Sasquatch Experience. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Sasquatch Experience. It's time again on Sunday night for you to sit back and relax and hear what we're talking about. I'm your host, Sean Forker, alongside Henry May down in Mississippi, and tonight we're being joined by Stan Courtney, Illinois' Bigfoot researcher. Stan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Very good. We'd like to thank you for having us here, uh, joining us here, rather. Uh, Henry, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Why don't you give the listeners a little background on Mr. Courtney, please? Okay. This is uh, his official bio. I've had an interest in Bigfoot Sasquatch since 1959, being raised in northern Idaho. I've only been active for about the last three years. My main focus of research has been in audio recording. The purpose of my website at stancourtney.com is to have a place to share not only my own recordings, but also to host sound recordings for other researchers as well. I've conducted several hundred interviews and have developed a compassion for what witnesses go through with their experiences and how society in turn treats the witnesses with ridicule and disbelief. Sean, thanks for this opportunity to be a guest on your show. As most people know, I am a member of the BFRO, although I steer clear of all the politics. I prefer that none of the questions or comments be directed to that hotbed of controversy. Best regards, Stan Courtney. And Stan Courtney, welcome to the Sasquatch Experience. Thank you. And folks, we are going to respect that, and uh, I I have a zero-tolerance policy for not respecting our guests, just to put that out there right away. 
But if you'd like to join us in conversation tonight, you can call us at 1-347-996-5814. You can email us at sasquatchexperience at gmail.com. Or you can even instant message us on your SAS, uh, at Sasquatch Experience on your Yahoo Instant Messenger, Google Talk, or Windows Messenger Live. And tonight, we just added a new AOL Instant Messenger screen name, Sasquatch Experience. So we're very, uh, very easy to get a hold of. So that's Sasquatch EXP on your, on your uh, AIM. Sorry about that. And once again, the number is 1347-996-5814. And Stan, time to put you in the hot seat, sir. Okay. <laughs> Okay, first question is, um, how did your interest in Bigfoot come about? Um, well, when I was 10 years old living in northern Idaho, we had a uh, a pilot who uh, was flying over a lake in northeastern Washington, in uh, Oregon, in the Willow Mountains, and um, he saw what he described as a half-man, half-bear. And I can remember being as a, a child of 10, that really really terrible terrorist that really uh, caused his great fear. And um, later on when I was in college, I knew uh, foot footprints up in the decades and uh, moved out of the Northwest and have been in Illinois for 30 years and uh, never dreamed they were back here. And um, got involved in some of the forums on the... Uh, on the internet, internet. And, and went on a few expeditions and started seeing stuff and hearing stuff and, and gotten in, involved uh, yeah. interviewing people and uh, writing up reports. Uh, what can you tell us about? Uh, what can you tell us about your investigations in Illinois? Well, I was I was um, kind of surprised how many uh, reports there were. Um, previously, there 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 wasn't really an investigator. Or, uh, that lived in Illinois, so perhaps they weren't um, researched as much as some of them. Um, I started getting reports, and um, um, most of them are a little bit older, but I got involved in some newer ones. Um, probably one of the most interesting uh, reports I did um, were on, on the Illinois River up, up around Seneca, and uh, it happened to be a little bit too close to Chicago, and the uh, Chicago newspapers didn't didn't like the report, so they uh, they got involved and tried to uh, to tear down what was going on. And um, but it, it's a real hotbed around the Seneca area, and there's a lot of reports that come in from there. Um, I did uh, four or five on-site uh, investigations, and um, Oh, I may have seen an animal partially and uh, heard, heard howls and um, um, talked to a lot of people that, that had had close encounters there. So that that was one of the, the first places in Illinois that I um, delved into. Currently, there's about four or five locations of uh, homeowners that are having, having activity. Um, some of these haven't been on the net yet. Um, some of these people are in the forums uh, talking about um, what's happening. I've uh, been to their homes and seen footprints and stuff, but they've not they've not been written up. And um, so people do find it amazing that Illinois has has any history. Um, 
you know, the, the history of Bigfoot reports in Illinois, go, Illinois goes back to 1883 when they were first reported in the uh, Decatur newspaper. And um, typically what happens in the Midwest is they don't call them Bigfoot. They, they call them the monster, whether it was the Momo monster or the uh, Cohomo monster of Peoria uh, or uh, DuPont monster of uh, up near Seneca. Um, one bad thing that happened in Seneca is the uh, Chicago Tribune got involved, and uh, it was on private property where I was doing my research, and um, because of all the negative publicity and the swarm of people that started coming on the property, um, they did have to put up uh, surveillance cameras, and uh, so that, that just wasn't a good situation, so... Well, what do you think the the Chicago Tribune? What 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 do you think they had to benefit from, kind of messing up the, messing into the, around in the investigations and everything? Well, the reporter was from the Seneca area, and um, you know, as typical, they bring in the uh, the skeptics who who like to say that anybody who uh, has a belief in uh, Bigfoot is a little bit touched. So um, that's that's kind of where that. That that went. So silence by discrediting by discrediting. Right. <laughs> not exactly fair, but not uncommon right. with the media. <laughs> right. Uh, which and I have to be honest, the first time I heard of the Dupont monster was in 2006, when it gained some media no- notoriety in uh, one of the papers. Right. Or online. Right. Um, it was a very interesting sight. Um, I, I did go out. I have a North American uh, native friend that lives in the area, and um, I went out with him, and, and um, he bangs a couple sticks together and does his uh, Indian chant. And uh, although I did not see an animal that night, uh, I did hear wood knocks, and, I, and uh, we heard howls when we got out of the car. And... Um, and he goes out there frequently and sits in the woods, and he says they come up around him. It's kind of a similar story to uh, uh, what Autumn Williams has said is that she's uh, witnessed in uh, Northern California. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't experienced it. Um, of course, you know, people say if you don't have pictures, you don't you don't have any proof. But uh, Dan? Um, <clears throat> okay, we have a couple questions from our... Yahoo chat room. Uh, one is from Bill Green. Uh, hey, Stan, how many sightings have you investigated in your state forest, and have people ever sent you possible Sasquatch photos, and have you gotten any recent USA sightings? Thanks, Bill. Those are three questions in one. you got a trifecta. <laughs> okay, what was the first one? How many sightings have you investigated in uh, state forests? 30 in Illinois. Um... Uh, probably about 30 reports I've done for the state, and there's still a number number that are being worked on. Um, you know, one thing that's interesting in Illinois, and I think we may do have an uh, advantage over some states, is obviously you're not going to find these animals out in the middle of a corn or soybean field, so they're all concentrated along the uh, streams and river bottoms. And I think that might make our job a little bit easier than... Uh, Say a mountainous state where where habitat is everywhere. At least, at least here we're a little bit more restricted. What, what was the second part? Second part of the question is: 
Have people ever sent you possible Sasquatch photos? Um, I've not received too many of those. Once in a while, we we get a we'll get a picture that's um, you know more of a that's just a, a blob squatch. That's all I've ever uh, uh, really seen. Since we're on the topic of uh, Bigfoot sightings, uh, you've been quoted in, in one of those articles of the DuPont Monster as saying, out of all Bigfoot sightings, only about 10% are investigated. Do you still hold to that? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's probably true. Um, just seems like so many, uh, I mean, even in my local area, I, I hear reports all the time of uh, people that know somebody that's seen something, but they're reluctant to come forward. And uh, like like I said earlier, uh, witnesses. I'm very interested in witnesses and and what they go through and and how they're uh, not a, they're afraid to come forward because of uh, of ridicule or somebody calling them crazy or um, you know kind of like seeing a UFO or some other area. Now, now, out of that uh, 10%, how many of those do you think are actually legitimate, Stan? Oh, I think the reports that we get, uh, probably probably 50 or 60% that we get are, are jokes and maybe um, 35% are people that saw or heard something that they weren't quite sure of that could possibly be, and, and maybe 5% are, are actual sightings. Um you know, I, I just think there's a lot more going on out there than than everybody realizes or that the public's even willing to accept. I can tell you one thing that's been a problem for us researchers here in Pennsylvania is a lack of reports. Uh, we really haven't, in the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society, more or less, we haven't had barely any this year until towards the end of the year, and then they kind of died off again. But we're having, we're seeing a definite pattern up in uh, uh, up in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania and down into the southeastern of Pennsylvania. Just kind of interesting because generally those areas of the states haven't been that active seeing the trend over the last about 30 or 40 years. Yeah, I think I think what's, what's uh, interesting in Illinois is for people who don't realize that southern Illinois is uh, a lot of the Shawnee National Shawnee Forest and very um, woodsy and, and hilly. But that's not where we're getting our reports. We're getting our reports from the from the uh, small creeks uh, going through the farmland. And I just find that really interesting that we're seeing these animals where you wouldn't think the average person would person not would think not that they are. A um, couple of uh, people I'm working with right with now, right now um, one, lady one lady had her uh, window, screen window screen torn out of her bedroom her window. Bedroom window. And I, I and went to her place and I saw the window screen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we determined, we determined that, that she had a cat had a hanging cat up in that window. That window. And uh, her yeah, husband her turned husband on the light on one the night, night. And they did see a, uh, a large biped running away from the uh, house. And uh, I spent a couple nights oh, there. Sleeping in my van, of course, they're not going to come around when you're there, so there is a lot of activity. We have another question from the room, Stan. Uh, Stan, This is from Billy Willard of Virginia. Stan, I've enjoyed listening to a lot of your recordings on your website. There are theories that Sasquatch may possibly communicate at times using infrasound. What are your thoughts on that, and have you ever thought about trying to record infrasound if you had the equipment for it? I don't know a lot about infrasound. I, I don't think I've ever experienced it myself. Um, I know that the microphones for doing that are expensive, and and I know one problem with the infrasound is picking up uh, wind and, and, and other things. Um, sounds are kind of my forte. Um, I, I don't necessarily think I'll ever have a sighting, but, but I think I've heard these animals. And... Um, I, I can put a recorder out in the uh, the woods and maybe pick up something from uh, three or four hundred yards away where I'm not going to get that picture. And one one thing I found is that um, I have a certain amount of fear, and and the further I get away from home, the less fear I have. Um, I never I never dreamt that that these animals could possibly uh, be in my own area. And um, I got back one night from one of my uh, research areas, and uh, it was dark, and my my dog started acting up, and uh, she was barking back towards the, headed towards back towards the creek. So uh, I grabbed my night vision and told my wife I was going to go take her down to the creek and show her where the deer always bed down. And uh, I got to the edge of the yard, and I heard this. I would call it just similar to a roar. If you could put about 12 men's voices together, uh, that's what it sounded like. It, it, it was clear and it was loud and it was deep. And uh, needless to say, I didn't go any closer. And I uh, went and got my wife to see if she could hear it, and uh, it turned out it only did it the one time. So... Um, so I figured that maybe I did have something locally, so I started recording at home, and uh, that was last year, and, and I got a lot of sounds. Uh, you know, you can't see the animal. You can't necessarily prove what they are, uh, but when they're close to your house, it's a little bit different and uh, a little bit uh, a little bit scarier, and I picked up a few sounds that, that almost sound like human voices. And when most people listen to it, they say, well, that's just kids down there. Well, I, I don't think it is kids down there. And, and I can't imitate the sounds. They, they sound foreign. They, they have a, a strange inflection to them. And um, 
So I picked up a few sounds like that last year, or in uh, 2005. In 2006, um, sometimes I'm a little neglectful putting my recorder out, and my wife uh, always prompts me, and she says, you know, you might get something tonight. You need to take it outside. And um, I don't, I don't like the dark too much. So um, in April, it's still getting dark early in the in the evening here. So or and, and late in the morning. So I I can't pick up my recorder before I go to work. So I um, I didn't take it down to the creek. I just put it at the end, end of my yard where I would still be within the. Uh, security light and uh, I picked up these howls and uh, I was pretty excited about it because I, I thought they were I thought they were unusual uh, we have a lot of coyotes here in Illinois and we have a lot of a lot of coyotes on my creek uh, but the recordings I got were very loud and clear and deep and uh, I spoke with some friends of mine who are longtime uh, coon hunters and coyote hunters and uh, they reassured me that they did not know what they were, but they weren't coyotes. Um, so I kind of I called it, called it the Illinois Howl, and uh, that animal was here um, five times last spring. And, and what's unusual about the Illinois Howl is it is always a set pattern. It, it kind of like clears its throat, and then, and then it gives three calls. And the second and third call are always further apart. And um, I have a friend in uh, Virginia, D.B. Donlin, who is a sound engineer, and he's looked at it, and um, he's pretty confident that it, it, it is not a coyote and it's not a, a wolf or any known animal. So, um, so I do have that, and, and that's posted. Uh, last summer, I did not get any additional sounds hardly at all at my place. Um, I, I did a lot of video, uh, night video, using uh, my night vision and uh, using a VCR. And I don't know if the animals are leery of uh, me messing around in the woods or not. Uh, but it was curious. My, my wife last spring did see a mountain lion along our creek, of course, which the... Uh, the state denies that we have in Illinois. Uh, though she's seen one, and I've seen three within the last two years. And uh, but using my video recorder at night, I, I, I and uh, feeding feeding popcorn or what, whatever I could find to feed with, I I did pull in a lot of uh, coyotes, bobcat, fox, just you name it, about everything at night, but uh, not what I was wanting to do. So as far as the Illinois Howl goes, uh, I posted it on, on any forum I could find and uh, a lot of the hunting forums, and, you know, you have to take the, take the jokes and the, the sneers with it. Uh, but I checked today, and uh, that, that sound file has been downloaded 13,088 times. Wow. And, uh, you know, what my request is and DB's request is is that, Anybody that has a recording that's similar to it, if they could su submit it to us, give us a copy of it so he could have it analyzed. Well, you may realize that, you know, we've never had one submitted. I've had four or five people that say they've heard something similar. I have other reports in Illinois uh, from hunters 
who uh, say they've heard the sound. Um, so I'm hoping to get a, a sound similar from, uh, you know, further away from here, so we we can say it's a different animal, but the same type of a uh, of a sound. What I think is amazing is that, is that you actually, you know, have been able to recognize that it it has a pattern. I think that's remarkable to some, you know. And you said you're a uh, a recorder to begin with, correct? You uh, right. I'm, you know, into birds. I think that's amazing. I mean. I'm not that skilled in picking out sounds, but uh, <laughs> I think that's I, I think, wonderful. I think that's interesting because most people, when they when they listen to a sound, they just dismiss it and they say, "Oh, well, that sounds like a that sounds like a dog or that sounds like a coyote." But what you really need to do is you you need to put it on a uh, you know on a sound editor and look at it and see what it looks like and not what it sounds like. Because if something's imitating something else, you know, obviously it wants to sound like it. And um, with your permission, Stan, if you'd like, we could post a link to that sound from our blog. Sure. And uh, get more people to listen to that if they haven't listened to it already. Yeah. It's a good idea. I have a question, Stan. Uh, in your opinion, what is the best evidence we have that states Bigfoot is real? The best evidence? Yes. Well, I, I would I would assume the Patterson film and footprints. You know, my, uh, you know, I, it, it's it's sad to say I don't think you know we're never going to convince the the general population till there's some kind of a body. I I, I just don't think film's ever going to do it. I don't think film even convinces Bigfooters that it's that what they're seeing is real. Uh, Harry, um, I have a question from Mike Killen. A uh, question for Stan. What is your opinion on seasonal migration versus? Long-term habitation of an area. If there is ample food, water, and cover in a given area, do you think these creatures would be driven to move on to another area? That's really interesting because that's something I think about a lot. And uh, I, I know one of my re- Illinois. Um, a lot of people think Illinois is corn and soybeans, which it is. But there's over 100, 120 uh, state parks, state conservation areas. Um, Set aside areas, and there's getting to more be more all the time. And uh, the one area I go to is within an hour of me, and we find footprints there all seasons of the year. And uh, I I really think the answer is more is is where the deer are. And I I think if the deer stay in the winter in that area, um, you know I never dreamt that they would be here uh, in my area in the winter. And then I go around and I look at the different woods, and I think. Yeah, you know it's 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 February out, but you still can't see through that woods, and there's still thickets, and there's still deer, and and there's there's still mountain lions, and uh, and the coyotes are still thick. Um, so I I think they're still here. Uh, it's harder to do recording in the winter because of the cold and the uh, the wind. Uh, right now it's too cold to uh, or it's. It's too difficult to go out, so I I put my uh, uh, set my recorder up in the bedroom and I put the microphone out the window uh, because I don't I don't want to miss that next howl that comes by my place and I don't have it. And uh, you know it, it's it's quite alarming to uh, have an interest in this field and to be awakened in the middle of the night by 
by hearing a unknown animal howling uh, within 300 feet of your back door. It's uh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, so this year I'm going to sleep on my patio in April and May. <laughs> That's a good idea. Hey, going back to the Patterson film a minute, I have to tell you what Henry did to me, Stan. Uh, there was a team assembled uh, on the Exxon radio show, uh, Fact or Fiction, we were on Team Fact. Well, I very much despise talking about the Patterson film, so Henry and all his ingenuity decided to get me on the show, and I had to be the opening guest. So uh, Henry kind of exacted a little bit of revenge on me there and made me talk about something I absolutely hate talking about. So, Henry, I'm going to get you back someday, my friend. Someday you're mine. Well, you know, you know, my closing thought on the Patterson film is, is if you've ever met Bob Gimlin. And, and he is one of the most sincere and nicest people I've ever met in my life. And to have, just to sit at a campfire and have him talk for five minutes about it, um, it gives you a lot of insight into it because he's such a genuine, uh, nice person. And, uh, you know, he, you know, I, I ask him what advice he would have for, for me or for anybody that would ever get a video, and, and his answer was, think long and hard before you release it to the public. Uh, I have a question for you, Stan. Uh, it's about, um, I can't remember what the name of the area or the town is, but it's in Illinois, and uh, Tom Biscardi was there early last year exploring or, or investigating. I can't remember what town that was. Do you remember? And also, if you do remember, uh, what, you know, what is the... Um, what is the topography like of that particular uh, area, and would it support the Sasquatch? Sean, can you help me out with the question? Uh, Henry was asking, and uh, earlier last, or a part of last year, I don't exactly remember the time of year, uh, Tom Biscardi was visiting, uh, visiting oh, Illinois. Right. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the little town was um, a Funks Grove. That's it. Right. Uh, I've been by there. It's it's along the interstate. It's um, the woods there is pretty thick. It it might be only two or three miles by a half mile. Um, you know, I I am a believer that that in Illinois that these animals can be anywhere where you have um, a sizable deer population, uh, adequate cover, and water. Um, I wouldn't suggest that they were there all the time. I I, I think it's very possible that uh, that 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 the witness did see one. I'm not going to say that they didn't. Uh, as far as being a resident group there, maybe not. Are you a believer in the theory of migration of these animals, Stan? Um, I'm I'm kind of more that. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. That, that I think they have a circuit. Just just like a mountain lion does or a bobcat. Um, 
that they that they um, you know maybe they're maybe they're on my section of creek uh on mondays and and uh on tuesday they're uh, 5 miles up the creek somewhere else um but i i definitely believe that they follow wherever the deer are and if the deer don't stay in this area in the winter they're not here and uh one one, one interesting thing uh, on on the illinois how is um I was told the real proof of, of what that was was to uh, to take it out and to play it uh, from a loudspeaker. And uh, a lot of people are, are are not in favor of sound blasting, and and I don't believe in in playing it at 300 decibels and 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 having it heard from three miles away. Uh, but I, I I did use it, and uh, uh, the first time I played it. Uh, immediately heard wood knocks and uh, heard giant footsteps approaching. Um, could not see anything, and uh, so we moved about four miles and uh, did it again. And as soon as we played it, we heard giant footsteps again. And uh, you know these animals—they do not just step out and let you see them. And you know I always had the impression if I if I just had these third-generation night vision. I'd see these animals all over, and that doesn't that doesn't happen. They, uh, you're, you're, you know, they're they're still staying behind cover, and uh, so I have had return howls with the Illinois howl, and of course I can't prove what that howl was, but I have heard giant footsteps with it. Um, I I I did use it a little bit on my own creek in my uh, own backyard. Uh, my property is about a third of a mile deep, and I, I took it back there and used it, and uh, I decided not to do that anymore because my son says, Dad, look at that tree. Well, where I'd been using it at, the, the, the tree had been snapped off, and uh, I don't I don't have that many trees up near my house to, to lose to having a uh, territorial with whatever's breaking the trees, so I, I stopped that. Okay. Uh, we have another question from Dave McCullough. Hey, Sam, of all your recordings, what's the closest you feel you've been to one of these creatures? The main problem with recording is getting close to them. Um, now personally, I feel I've been within 10 feet of them in the brush where, you, where, you, where, where there's a movement and stuff. Uh, wow. But with the sounds, um, the sounds I'm picking up here at home, I think are within about... Uh, Maybe 300 feet, um, especially on the last Illinois howl, the one that that was on May the uh, 24th, I think. Uh, it was full scale on my uh, mic on my uh, recording meter. If it had been any higher, it would have been uh, uh, distorted. So that is a problem. And uh, the one night I did get a lot of. Uh, a lot of commotion in the woods for over 30 minutes, but in that 30 minutes, although I only could get five or six seconds of those the uh, of the voices that's on the website, because it, it's just hard to get close to these animals. And um, you know, one thing I preach about is uh, is is being prepared and uh, have that recorder all always running and. Um, you know, I, I I have a nice digital uh, uh, camcorder, but I went out and bought a little um, Sony uh, analog 
uh, for $200 because it, it can run for four hours. And uh, so what I learned the hard way was to um, maybe before you get out of the car, get that recorder going because you, you don't know when you're going to hear something. And invariably when I hear something loud and close, I don't have anything running. Since we're on the topic of equipment, oh, uh, Wednesday we had uh, James Baker on our show. James Baker is not a Bigfoot researcher, but a, a fellow who's interested in getting in Bigfoot research and had a good question for us as uh, if you're starting out in this field and investigating, what kind of tools should you take with you out in the field? And I was wondering what you would suggest take along. Well, I, I think just what I just said was, that, you know, if you get that $200, that Sony analog, uh, four-hour-long uh, camcorder. Um, I have a friend that's getting decent audios from it. It's it's not perfect, uh, but at that price, he's getting both the video and the audio. I'm not too knowledgeable about the uh, recording gear that the the little the little digitals. I kind of went to the other end to to try to get the real sensitive stuff. But but I think my biggest advice to people is to is to get recording. There's a there's a lot of inexpensive equipment out there, and there's a lot of a lot of people are upgrading. And thirty forty dollars on eBay, you can pick up some some stuff that's usable. I have people that that send me recordings uh, uh, quite a bit. That one advice is what, what do I think it is? You know, like 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 I said, is is I I host a lot of sounds on my website to. Uh, to uh, share with other people because a lot of people uh, don't have a website. It gives them an outlet to uh, put this on because the number of, uh, the number of videos is almost nil, but the number of audio is there's a lot. A lot of people are getting audio. I, I've just always been interested in the uh, audio audio aspect of it. Uh, Billy Willard has uh, brought up in the chat room a uh, piece of technical equipment called the Arcos. I don't know if you've heard of it. I'm not quite too familiar with it myself. It's a small device that does audio and video, kind of iPodish, I guess, in its design. But uh, he's going to send you a link or and some information about that, Stan. Okay. It's a, from what I understand, it's a really cool piece of equipment. I just don't know the technical aspects of it to really speak about it with uh, any authority. Well, my, what my favorite thing to do is with the recording gear is 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 to have something that can can record a long time, or is voice activated, because when I get my best recordings, it's when I leave that that item out all night, uh, because as soon as you leave the woods, uh, the animals forget you were there, and then they uh, they do their thing. And I've recorded a lot of strange sounds. I've recorded uh, wild hogs here in Illinois. And uh, coyote puppies, and uh, it's kind of scary. You never know what what's going to show up on that. You're you know you're almost afraid that you're going to get a voice on there or something telling you to stay out of their woods. I'd probably never go in the woods again if that ever happened to me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the dark to begin with, let alone. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah, funny. I'm, as I was mentioning earlier, on that Gigantel, the real King Kong, they use those. You know, very similar cameras. You know, they put them in their hats and put them in, you know, lips, like lipstick cameras and put them in like an artificial rock. You know, so these Arcos cameras sound very similar. I guess my only concern with that is that if if it's hard enough to get them on film with a handheld camcorder, 
what makes them think we're going to get it with any other kind of video equipment? And I guess it's maybe because I, I believe that somehow, rather it be from whatever communication form they use, infrasound, or they can just some kind of uh, energy or frequency they can pick up to tell you that thing's running. It's just a, mm -hmm. just a thought I have in my head whenever I'm thinking of that. Well, I've not had any problems with ever having any of my recording gear bothered. Um, and sometimes it's pretty obvious it's out there. I, I, you know, a lot of times I just put it in a backpack, and, and the raccoons will bother it, and they'll handle it and look at it and everything. I've never, I've never had a recorder out all night that the uh, the raccoons didn't bother it, because everything is touched and looked at. Oh yeah, raccoons—they uh, are bad. <laughs> do you prefer the parabolic dish mic or the uh, shotgun directional type? Um, you know, if, if I'm out in the field. If I'm doing the recording myself, um, I, I don't like the parabolic because you never know what direction the sound's coming from, and and you your odds are going to be you're pointed the wrong long way. So I prefer a um, a, a shotgun, and um, I I used to use a little Audio Technica uh, shotgun mic that was like thirty or forty dollars, and it it was excellent. I can just carry that in my hand, and if I hear something, point it that way. And it's a lot smaller than a parabolic. And then when I do my all-night recordings, I just use a uh, omnidirectional. Uh, at least I know I'm going to get the sound. I I'm just not a real big fan of parabolics. Wow, that's a great question, great answer too. Uh, Skookum Cast, Stan, do you think this artifact is good enough to be called evidence? As some now are saying that it's nothing more than an elk wallow, an opinion I add not shared by us. It, the question is about the uh, Skookum medals. Yeah, Skookum cast, Dan. Now, is it good enough to I, be called I, evidence? Well, I, I think it is. You know, I, I well, except whatever Melvin said. Yeah, I think the, yeah. uh, I've always been intrigued by the Skookum cast. I mean, Dr. Darius Swindler says the thing has an Achilles heel. Right. I mean, that, you know, you can call it an elk whatever. I mean... <laughs> And it's not going to make an Achilles tendon. <laughs> you know, you know that's one thing I think is so interesting uh, about this field is that you can get 20 people together and, and everybody has a different interest. Um, I do not have an interest uh, really in footprints. Um, if I see one, I'm thrilled to see it, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see it. I don't, I don't really look for them when I'm out. Uh, my wife does. Uh, She's a natural-born tracker. Everywhere we go, she's looking for footprints, and uh, she's really excited about them. And I know guys that are excellent trackers and other guys that are um, excellent looking for um, um, tree twists or peepees or whatever. That's just not my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm more the sound, sound person. And, and uh, uh, one thing I'd like to emphasize is what area you live in, you you should uh, pick up a uh, recording guides and stuff and learn these uh, uh, bird calls. Um, you know, I know it's a controversial subject, but uh, a lot of people I trust um, really swear by the fact that these these animals are are imitating um, other birds and wildlife. 
It's interesting that you bring that up because uh, the 2006 uh, summer ex- spring expedition for the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society, uh, I went out in the field with Tim Cassidy. I don't know if you're familiar with Tim Cassidy at all. Right. But uh, he and I were out in the woods, and we we had a rather unusual experience. Is that walking along the road on our way out from a hike, Tim saw we were, we all went ahead of him because we were ready to go home. Tim saw what was a tree twist, what would be a tree twist. So he yelled for me to come back, and he's like, Sean, what do you see? So I saw the little tree twist, and looking down, I saw footprints. Not not distinct footprints, but impressions. And when We followed them all the way up along the hillside, and to make a long story short, we came to this area, and it uh, looked like a natural area. Long story area. short? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my speech is horrible tonight. We, we came to a nesting area. Further examining that area, we were hit with an overwhelming sense of nausea and disorientation, and we heard this loud crashing through the brush. So instinctively, we wanted to stay, but in the interest of science, as we call it, we ran after it. Don't know what it was, but it sounded massive running through the area, and this was during the daytime, mind you. But interesting enough, during that whole series of events leading up to that, Tim would hear these calls from birds that he swore were not birds. <laughs> and it's just funny that you'd say that, it's just relating to something that happened to us, but he swore that these calls weren't bird calls. Well, you know, it, it's very difficult. You know, with with any call, I, I think the only thing you can do is um, it has to be recorded and it has to be loud enough and close enough that you, you can uh, put it on a sound editor and, and look at the different harmonics. Um, I, I know that... Um, I had gotten uh, a barred owl call from somebody that just swore it was a Bigfoot, and we put it on a sound editor, and uh, and I had a, a barred owl call from one of my uh, bird recordings, uh, a commercial recording, and the harmonics were identical. And uh, so we thought, no, it, it, it really is an owl. And... Uh, one thing I've been told is, is is that usually they'll mess up on their call somehow. And, and if you're listening to a barred owl and it slips into a coyote, well, something's fishy there. You know, it's it's just different. You know, owls don't go into coyotes. Dave McCullough asks, Stan, have you ever noticed that before or after a vocalization that the other critter sounds cease in the woods? And also, have you ever smelled the stench? Yeah, I've not I've not experienced the um, uh, the quiet that people talk about, and uh, I've I've only um, one time have I ever um, I did find an 18 inch footprint last year, 18 by 8, and I felt I was being watched, and I don't know if that was just kicking in from seeing that footprint or not. Um, I have I have smelled these animals. Um, uh, one time, um, I know a guy I was with uh, did see it in the daytime. He reported that it smelled like uh, dog poop. Uh, I was 20 feet away, and time I got there, uh, and it was raining, the uh, smell had changed, and it smelled like cinnamon. The only to- other time is um, uh, going through a, uh, a area after dark. Uh, with a friend, we got hit by a horrible stench in an area uh, not too far from where I had found the footprints, a couple hundred yards away. And uh, it was an overwhelming stench, and it sound, it smelled like a uh, barnyard manure, fresh, 
but it didn't smell like any animal I knew. It wasn't cow or pig or chicken or uh, horse or anything like that. And, and and that's the only other time I've ever smelled anything. Wow. Re- referring back to the uh, the bird sounds, you know, I've heard strange bird sounds of what sounded like, you know, diurnal birds at 3 o'clock in the morning. I've heard that, you know. I don't know if it was birds or, or what, but it sounded pretty doggone big, whatever it was. It, it was pretty <laughs> loud and pretty close by. You have a dodo living in your backyard, Henry. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, I've uh, you know something I've picked up that's really strange is I pick up uh, bird sounds that sound like parrots, parrot-like sounds, and and I've even experienced in here on the daytime on my own creek, I'll pick up these sounds on my recorder where I can't ju- I just can't figure out what they are. You know, in the winter in Illinois, we don't have many birds singing, and uh, we don't have any birds at all. I mean, you know, we do have birds, we have blue jays and crows, and the the normal stuff, but I was down along the creek in, uh, a year ago in December, and uh, I was just going to pass through because I had heard something unusual down there the night before, and I and I heard this, and it sounded like a it sounded like a jungle bird, or not quite like a peacock or a macaw, but something similar coming from a brush pile. My first thought was, is I don't know what that is, but that's that's not a bird. Of, of course, I didn't have my recorder running. So usually when you hear something, you're not prepared for it. You never heard anything like a kookaburra? You know, that bird that they always, the, the sound they always play in these uh, movies where they're right. set in the jungle? Next question. Uh, the Memorial Day footage is undergoing extreme criticism from within our own field of researchers. How do you view that film? I just don't know enough. You know, it, it's just not a good enough film. You know, I'm with you on that. Thing, you know, Mal- yeah, I agree. Meldrum said the same. Meldrum said the same thing that that it's just inconclusive. A lot of these things are they are they really worth the discussion they're getting? You know, he he's dead and uh, he he did have a lot of track evidence and that's that's my home country where uh, in that in that part of the Northwest and uh, I'm going to retire in three years and I plan on uh, Bigfoot in full time. Wow. Um, while on the topic of Bigfoot caught on tape, we have heard for the better part of a few years of this footage captured of a pancake-eating Bigfoot from Kentucky, uh, seemingly dubbed the Ohio Valley River footage. This footage has now been leaked to the Internet, for the record, illegally, folks. If you can comment on that, I'd like to hear your analysis on it. You know, I just, I just don't know enough about it. It's just another one of those cases where there's, you know, it's hard to see anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Henry's quite right, folks. The film has been posted, been posted illegally on the internet, so take that for what it's worth. Somebody did. I don't know who. <laughs> I mean, I guess the thing with me is the film evidence is flimsy, only because for in the latter part, you know, minus the Patterson film, there's just not enough detail to determine what they are. Remember the big fuss over the Manitoba footage? Oh, yeah. That was horrible, and most of us waited around day and night for our computers and televisions. I was one of those loons looking to see a glimpse of this thing, only to be horribly disappointed. Yeah, you know, we're just, we just have so many people that are interested in the phenomena, and they're just not getting um, analyzed. And the new evidence is just very slow coming in. Yep. I guess I'm just tired of videos. I mean, when the real thing comes along, you know, show me the real deal. 
I'm a Bigfoot investigator. I do a lot of field work in Pennsylvania with uh, Eric Altman and the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society. I do a lot of independent on my own, and I, I find more value coming from what we find in the field and record and study than, than a piece of videotape. I could be wrong, and that's just my opinion, but we're more productive in the field than we are with uh, discussing and beating a dead horse in terms of videotape. Oh yeah. Well, you know, videos and photographs—they're never going to—they're never going to prove it. You know, huh? They can support it, but they'll never be able to prove it. Right. I mean, it's where you weigh supporting evidence against physical evidence, and I mean, with I mean, the tools we have today, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to collect evidence in a forensic manner. Keeping the evidence integrity is going to be critical in these next few years and getting decent evidence. You know, there there is one other uh, story I forgot I wanted to relate, <clears throat> only because it's unusual. I have a friend that uh, uh, researches uh, one of the areas, because I, I, I go to a lot of different areas in uh, central Illinois. He had uh, heard about a report in this area of uh, rock throwing, and uh, so he went there, and he wasn't very um, enthusiastic that he would see anything because of all the cornfields. And uh, he got ready to go back to his car, and he, he saw this bird on a on the trunk of this large tree. So he bent over to take a picture of this bird, and when he did, he heard something up in the tree. And when he looked up, there was a seven-foot-tall giant biped in this huge oak tree. And uh, it must have got alarmed because he had stopped. It, it grabbed a hold of the trunk and uh, made a jump to the other trunk and came down and hit the ground. And uh, there was tall grass in the area, so it, it did not stand up to run away, but it got on the ground and uh, uh, stayed in the grass to get away. And that's one of the few reports I know of, uh, of at least an adult being in a tree. And uh, I measured that tree, and the uh, the two trunks on it were like uh, 16 and 18 inches in diameter, so it definitely would support it. Um, and, and I think a lot of times maybe we should be looking up when we're out in the woods. We might be missing something. Going back and touching on something, uh, Stan, you said your wife is, uh, accompanies you on these investigations, and she's active with you. I think that's great. You know, my wife is hoping that one day I'll pass through this and pack everything up. <laughs> I mean, she's supportive. She's supportive as she can be, but uh, she takes a lot of criticism from her from her family, and I think even mine. But I won't relent. I, I'm well. My wife says that she is logical, and I'm obsessed. <laughs> and uh, so, so if I find something and I want an honest opinion, I'll get go get her and have her look at it. And uh, this uh, this bent this uh, broken tree that I had in my uh, pasture. When I got her, she looked at it and um, she looked at all the vegetation and she says, "Well, I know what it was, but I don't want to hear about it for a month." <laughs> for all us married men out there, we always know if we need an impartial opinion, we can ask our wives. So my family, well, at least one of my family members wishes I would kind of pack all this up and give it up. That's my grandfather. He's the he's the quintessential skeptic when it comes to Sasquatch. Never surrender. Surrender. <laughs> Never. That's right. We took a trip to Falk, Arkansas, several years ago, and um, most of the town folk told us that the Falk monster was just um, was just a uh, 
an urban legend started by Smokey Crabtree to gain tourism. Well, at least he had. At least he asked a asked a question. I mean, might not be yeah. a favorable one, but at least he asked a question. Question. We have one final question from our listeners, uh, from Mike Killen again. Question: Stan, have you ever heard any thumping? Wait a second. Let me scroll up here. While out in the field, or have you ever received any reports that describe being thumping? Describe thumping being heard by a witness. If so, what do you make of that? I don't. I don't think I have. Um have heard thumping. I, um, I've gotten reports of chest beating, um, rock rock clacking, and uh, you know the hand slapping, um, as well as wood knocks. I've heard a lot right. of wood knocks. Um, again, you know it's one of those things that you can't prove prove what's doing it, except if you're in an area where you're finding footprints and you're you're near it, where you're finding footprints and you're hearing sounds and uh, there's been sightings, then then maybe it's related to it. But Stan, one question we always ask of our guests: kill or no kill? What's your position? I, I'd have to say I'm no kill. I, I just don't I just don't think that uh, if I had a chance not to, I can't say if my fam- family was endangered and uh, I had an animal coming in my house or something. I, I'd had to protect my family, but I, I as far as going out and uh, taking one down, um, I don't think I could do that. I, th- I think our best hope in the field is that we get the body from some truck that hits one. These these animals do cross the road, and uh, they do cross the freeway in Illinois. Get reports yep. from truckers uh, close to Chicago, uh, seeing them run across the freeway. So. They have to get from one side to the other, whether they go underneath or over it. Lauren Coleman always said, um, you know, he's hoping that one day one of them will be hit by a logging truck, perhaps out in the Pacific Northwest. But I'm sure there's logging trucks that come through Illinois, too. <laughs> he kind of chuckles so, because he's like, I hope one gets hit by a logging truck one day, you know? <laughs> yeah. Any final words you have, words of advice, words of wisdom you have for our your fellow researchers, Dan? Yeah, I, I, I think... My biggest advice is, is for everybody to to get some type of recorder or camcorder. Um, you know, you can probably get a used one for under under $100 now. And um, when they're out in the woods, keep them running because um, these animals are out there. Um, they're being heard all the time. You know, if, if I could go back and record what I've missed, I, I, I would have a pretty big library. And... Uh, I just think people need to uh, to keep their camcorders running and and, and uh, be ready. Oh, and Tom Lancaster has a comment. He thinks your site's one of the best out there. Well, I appreciate that. I I never really uh, planned on having a site. Um, it just as I, I was sending my friends so many uh, audio files, they they couldn't keep up with my email. So I uh, I never expected to go public with it. I was just going to have it just a little private thing to. Uh, to, to share to share with friends and it kind of got away from itself. Yeah, we enjoy your website. We visit it often. We I've registered for your forums. Enjoy being there. I like the friendly environment where we can have peaceful and uh, pointful conversation. I mean, that's what it's all about. Right. Sharing the information and uh, discussing. Well, somebody thanked me for sharing the Illinois How that that I would let that out public, and I said, well, that sound is going to be out because somebody else is going to record it. 
And if I don't get it out there first, they're going to get the credit for it. That's right. And you've recorded right. something, whatever it may be. We have our thoughts on what it may be, but until we get more of a sample, sampleation, compilation of sounds, we cannot know. Right. But uh, Stan, thank you very much for joining us tonight. It's a pleasure. Okay, uh, it was fun. It was it was a lot of fun, very informational. I know our listeners very much enjoyed it from the comments we're getting here in the field. Just wonderful to have you on, and we hope to have you on again here, okay. again here sometime soon because it okay. is very enjoyable. I enjoy. I won't, I won't be so nervous next time. Yeah, well, don't be nervous <laughs> with us. We're friendly. Oh, you did fine, Stan. And uh, yeah, great. Thank you very much. Okay. Be safe, my friend. Take care. Okay. Thank you. All right, my friend. Take us home. Y'all be good, or be good at it. Good night, everyone. This has been Sean Forker, Henry May, and Stan Courtney. Joining you tonight, be warm, be safe, and just get along. You've been listening to Sasquatch Experience. Please rate and review wherever this podcast is consumed. To share your experience, visit us on Facebook or email us, squatchexperience at gmail.com. Keep on squatching.